Hello and welcome back to Control Alt Delete. This is episode 38. Today's guest is Cindy Gallup, an advertising consultant, uh, the founder and former chair of the US branch of advertising firm BBH. Now she is the founder of If We Round the World and Make Love Not Porn. According to the TED blog, uh, Cindy's TED talk, Make Love Not Porn, was one of the most talked about presentations at the 2009 TED talk conference and has been watched over one and a half million times. In this episode, um, we talk about the future of sex. We talk about what social sex means, her company, Make Love Not Porn, and how that came about, and why we shouldn't believe a lot of the sex surveys that we get sent or we read uh, daily. Cindy really is the fountain of knowledge when it comes to porn and anything porn related in the media I found talking to her very very inspiring she is amazing and I've followed her for so many years so this was really so fun uh, to record and I just learned a lot in the process uh, if you enjoy this episode please feel free to tweet us afterwards tweet us your thoughts at Cindy Gallup or at make love not porn and I'm on twitter at Emma Gannon and here it is I hope you enjoy Very exciting episode. I can't quite believe I'm talking to the Cindy Gallup. Amazing. Um, thanks so much, Cindy, for coming on. They're thrilled to be here, Emma. Oh, well, um, I've got about a million tabs open on Google. I was just um, refreshing my mind about everything because I think I first discovered everything that you're doing uh, back when you did the TED Talk. And I kind of wanted to start, like, even before then. There's just so much to ask you. I honestly don't know where to start. But I guess I wanted to ask, <laughs> Because I think when I look at what you're doing, there is such a motivation. Like you literally are changing things. And I wondered where that came from, that that initiative at the beginning to just kind of move from the advertising world as you knew it and launch your own thing. Well, I think the important thing to emphasize, Emma, is that everything in my life and career um, has been a total accident. <laughs> so I never consciously, intentionally set out to do any of the things that I've subsequently found myself doing. And so um, to some extent, um, you know, th- that was not a um, carefully planned um, break in the first instance. And um, what happened was that I turned 45 back in 2005. And I guess you could say I had my very own personal midlife crisis in the sense that I'd always thought of 45 as kind of a midlife point. Um, obviously, by the way, in the happy assumption, one lives to be 90, fingers <laughs> crossed. Um, but in the couple of years running up to it, you know, I'd always thought on one's 45th birthday is the moment when you really should pause, take stock, reflect and review, where have I been, where am I going, all that good stuff. And so on February 1, 2005, um, my 45th birthday, birthday I duly did that and that was the point at which I went oh my god I've just worked 16 years for the same advertising agency wonderful agency Bartle Bogle Hegarty BBH um, love them to death cannot say enough nice things about them I'd worked for them in London in um, Singapore and then you know um, fetched up here in New York to open up their US office for them but but you know the, the time had really flown by And I went, oh, my God, I think it might be time to do something different. And then the problem was that I hadn't the faintest idea what. So vast amounts of thought and angsting ensued. And eventually I went, if I want to review every possible option open to me for what is effectively the second half of my life, maybe the best thing to do is to put myself on the market very publicly and go, Okay, guys, here I am. What do you got? And, and what, see what more comes. public can you do than 
getting yep. on stage. Yep. Yeah. So, um, so I took a massive leap into the unknown. Um, I resigned as chairman of BBH in the summer of 2005 without a job to go to. And quite frankly, it was the best bloody thing I ever did in my life. Wow. And I am now evangelical, um, especially to women, about mm. working for yourself because I believe ultimately it's, it's the only way to be. I love that. There's a lot at the moment with flexible working. It's, it's actually not just about the flexibility. It's about who decides the flexibility. Mm. So, um, you know, you know um, one of the reasons I'm um, so emphatic about the fact that everybody ultimately should end up working for themselves is people make the mistake, first of all, of thinking that a job is the safe option. A job is the most unsafe option you can have because in a job you are entirely at the mercy of management changes market downturns industry shifts you know i say to people whose hands would you rather place your future in those of a large corporate entity who at the end of the day doesn't give a shit about you or somebody who will always have your best interests at heart i.e you Mm. And and women particularly, um, for you know all the reasons that that we all know of, you know that those those women who are mothers who have children, will particularly benefit from designing their own business because when you work for yourself, um, you can design your business to work any way you want. You know you can decide what you want your working conditions to be. You can decide what you want your schedule to be. Um, and actually, that control um, goes even further because I remember um, very early on um, when, when I left BBH. So I was, you know, still exploring what I wanted to do ultimately. Um, and in the meantime, I'd begun working as a consultant, um, which is how I support myself. And so I had a bit of a nightmare scenario where um, I was working with um, the Japanese advertising agency Hakahodo, and there were a team of, of Japanese. Hakuhodo people flying in from Tokyo who wanted to meet with me in New York. At the same time, I had a consultancy client um, in Europe who had a very important meeting in London and and had demanded that I be there. And I was trying to work out how on earth I was going to make all this work, and I was extremely stressed. But then, but then I thought, but the great thing is, this is my stress and I get to decide what I do about it. Yeah. You know, I didn't have somebody above me going, right, Cindy, you better make sure you don't... You know. And and so it was entirely up to me how I decided to manage this very stressful situation. And in the end, you know, I made it all work because I, I met with the Japanese in New York on the Thursday. I then raced to the airport, caught an overnight red eye to London, went straight from Heathrow to the meeting in London, did the meeting, went straight back to Heathrow <laughs> and came back to New York. Oh but, um, but, but in all of that, I got to call the shots. Yeah. And so, you know, I really urge women to, you know, aspire to much more than flexible working, to as aspire to starting and designing your own business to yeah. be the business that you would want it to be. And I also urge women to do that because, you know, my, my, my background is advertising and for years I've been campaigning for and saying that I want to see many, many more female founded agencies. And there haven't been. But now at last, in the last few years, there are starting to be. And and you know, the reason why there haven't been is very depressing, because when in advertising you have an industry like every other industry, 
that that flattens women, mm. that fails to appreciate and value them, that fails to promote them, that makes women therefore doubt their own talents and their own capabilities. Women simply don't believe they could possibly start their own business in that, in their, that industry. And that is a tragedy. That's why I encourage women to, you know, I absolutely want women to push on within the existing corporate system and overcome the barriers there. But 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 I but I encourage women much more to step outside of it. Mm. And and this is this is where, you know, while I'm a huge fan of Cheryl Sandberg's, this is where Cheryl and I differ because Cheryl wants us to lean in within the existing system, and I want I, I want us to redesign the system. I was going to so, ask you about that because I the one thing that I know I struggle with, and I'm very new to the working for myself world is I used to have people to bounce ideas off and and ask for advice and I don't have a mentor I don't have anyone really sometimes to ask advice and it's really sometimes I'm just like I'm on my own and with Cheryl's thing it is all all about women coming together and leaning in and having these lean-in circles who who do you go to for help is there do you have like a self-made group of women that you turn to I have access to 15 million female networks as does everybody, um, because because that's the other great thing about the world we live in today. Everywhere around you, there are groups of women helping each other. And I find social media good for that. Like on Twitter, I've made so many friends who yeah. are in a similar position. Yep. I don't know if you remember, but I wrote um, that post about not being liked and not caring and, and quoted a massive chunk of uh, something you'd written. And I, I love that. I think you're the ambassador for kind of being like, well, do what you want and don't care. But is that, has that been a gradual process of getting to that point of not caring? And, and did that help you get so senior in your advertising role? That really came about after I left advertising. And, and yep, it wasn't one moment. It was a gradual realisation where I realised that I no longer give a damn what anybody thinks. Um, but that was certainly not the case within the corporate world, because you because within the corporate world, you have to care what other people think, um, or, or at least you believe you do. Um, in order to climb the corporate ladder. And so, you know, I was like anybody else for years and years and years. I just kept my head down. I worked really hard. I was lucky enough not to run into some of the complete career derailing barriers that women can run into. Um, but but no, you know, um, all of this really came into focus for me when I left the corporate world. I, I had this conversation when I gave a talk at Advertising Week about bravery several years ago, where I said to the audience, it's not brave when I say it. Because I don't care what John Wren of Omnicom or Maurice Levy of Publicis or Vincent Valore of Havas, you know, to, um, or whoever um, thinks of me, because I don't work for an agency that belongs to any of their holding companies. I don't run an agency that I desperately want to sell to one of their holding companies. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't work with um, anybody within any of their holding companies, so I don't care. I said to the audience, it's brave when you say it. But the point being, um, and I say this again to women especially, if nobody speaks up, nothing changes. If you don't like what you're going through, and you're quite right not to like it, by the way, um, you're not helping yourself and you're not helping anybody else if you don't speak up about it. Mm. And, and, and speaking up about it is the quickest way to find out whether you really want to be working there in the first place. Because if you speak up and nobody listens, and nobody wants to hear, you want to get the hell out of there as quickly as possible because there's no yeah. point staying. Yeah. And with the startup, that must have been really scary. If you'd been at a company for that long, I think I read something about, you, you wrote something about the challenges around launching your own business. It, yeah, was that really hard at the beginning? 
Well, um, um, well, again, um, like I said, everything in my life and career is an accident. So I didn't even think about it like that. My, my startups are accidents. I didn't consciously and intentionally set out um, to create either of them. And, and you know, if I'd had the faintest idea what I was getting myself into, I might not have done. <laughs> but, 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 but you really, all I'm doing is I'm turning things I passionately believe in into businesses. And, and then that's, that's what keeps you going. Well, well, well I, mean, I mean, you have to know you wanted to be a business. Mm. But, but I, didn't, I didn't, you know, I, I just started Make Love Not Porn's a little side venture. I had no idea it would get the response it did. Mm. And it feels like that people still don't understand there's a difference between porn and the industry that makes the porn. Well, um, I get enormously frustrated when people use the word porn like it's all one big homogenous mass, mm. because that's like using the word literature to say it's all the same thing. Mm. The landscape of porn is like a landscape of literature. It is as full of rich and infinite variety, as many genres, subgenres. But because we are so messed up about sex, we, we all watch porn, we don't talk about it. Porn therefore exists in a parallel universe, in a shadowy other world. And people are very peculiar around the whole topic. Um, and, that's, and that's obviously one of the things that um, you know, I'm trying to break down with mm. what my team and I are doing with Make Love Not Porn. I think for definitely this era of everything being totally accessible at all times, although that research about, you know, like under 16s, um, seeing everything online before they've seen anything in real life. The average age today at which a child is first exposed to hardcore porn online is eight. And a global study done by Bitdefender three years ago at that time indicated that age had dropped to six. This is not because eight-year-olds, six-year-olds go looking for porn. They don't. It's a function of what, in the digital world we live in today, is utterly inevitable and cannot be prevented no matter how much you might like to. They stumble across it. It's a function of what somebody shows your child on a cell phone in the playground. It's what happens when they go around to a neighbor's house. Or, um, because this is the most wired generation ever, and in many privileged households, six-year-olds, eight-year-olds have access to iPads, yeah, iPhones, it's laptops. so scary. Um, they do something really cute and innocent. They learn a new naughty word and they Google it. Penis! He! Mm. One or two clicks away, something they don't expect to find. And so that is why... Um, our work at Make Love Not Porn is about saying to the world and to parents and to teachers, we cannot go on operating around sex and porn the way we always have. And there should be an epochal shift. But the epochal shift that I want to see is people understanding the answer to everything that worries them about porn is not to shut down, censor, clamp down, block, repress. It is instead to open up. Yes. Open up the dialogue around all of this in the way that we're working to with Make Love Not Porn. Yeah. Open up to welcoming, supporting and funding entrepreneurs like me and my team who want to disrupt all of this for the better and open up to allowing us to do business on the same terms as everybody else which we're currently not allowed to do yeah because um you wrote to david cameron i did indeed yeah that did um he reply nope because it just seems so weird that one of the most natural things in the world is is still a taboo well i i frequently get asked um the question you know why are we so repressed about sex? And I've been asked this so often, I now have my answer down pat. Um, three reasons. Um, number one, centuries of repression, religion, sociocultural dynamics in every country in the world that, that have driven the way we are today. Um, number two, the patriarchy. 
Um, because every institution historically um, has been and still is male-dominated, including government, the church, um, religion in, in every country. And so women have not been enabled to bring our lens to bear on sexuality. And the third reason is, very straightforwardly, there aren't enough people like me. And what I mean by that is society makes it so extraordinarily difficult to innovate and disrupt social narratives around sex that many people try and then give up because they cannot get anywhere and they get tired of fighting. Mm. And we need more people who will not give up and will carry on um, absolutely determined to make this change because, like me, they see the enormous amount of human unhappiness caused by our ridiculousness around sex. Mm. Have you ever had times where you feel like, I'm doing all this work, I'm like, this is a really hard thing to be fighting for? I feel, well, I feel utterly demoralised and demotivated every single fucking day. Um, we've been fighting for... Well, we launched MakeLoveNotPorn.tv in closed beta four years ago. And I say to my team, you know, the thing we have to be proudest of is that we're still here. In a world where 95% of all startups fail and where we face way more difficulties than most startups, because for us, every single piece of business infrastructure, every other startup can at least take for granted. We can't because the small print always says no adult content. Mm. And that is all pervasive in ways that people yeah. outside the sphere don't fully realize. We can't get funded. We can't get banked. We can't put payments in place. PayPal won't work with us. Amazon Web Services won't work with us. Every, host, every tech service we want to use, be it hosting, encoding, encrypting, the TOS always say no adult content. I have to go to the people at the top of the company, expect we're doing, beg to be allowed to work with them. We had to build our entire video sharing, video streaming platform from scratch ourselves because off-the-shelf components existing streaming services refuse to stream adult content so you know my team and I fight a huge battle every single day to build this business what what keeps us going is first of all we see the extraordinary traction we've achieved even in our own tiny way every day we're doing things nobody thought we could mm. you know um we have proved that people will watch real world sex social sex as well as porn we have a, a global community of over 400,000 members we have proved that people will share their real world sex socially we have over 100 make love not porn stars we've had over a thousand videos submitted to us we have proved that people will pay for social sex uh, we began taking an income on day one. Our monthly income is very small, but in a world where the received wisdom is nobody pays for porn, they are paying for mm -hmm. Make Love Not Porn and Real World Sex. And we are seeing the social and business acceptability needle move in the right direction all the time. Is it, is so, it mostly yes. women who are paying and signing up for it? Absolutely not. Um, Make Love Not Porn is utterly gender equal. Right. Wow. I, I hear from as many 20-something men as women who say to me, my girlfriends are doing everything they see in porn and it's getting the way of real connection. Mm -hmm. You know, um, to, um, men welcome what we're doing as much as women. I said to our designer on makelovenotporn.tv right at the start, I went, I don't want anyone to land on the homepage of this site and go, oh, for women. We are absolutely for everybody. And so, um, again, it's very difficult to cite data because we have no money. We have no resources. Our data is buried in the code. We can't get at it. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to raise funding to do, amongst many other things, um, full-on data analytics. Mm -hmm. But the data we do have, two-thirds of our members are men. 
um, versus women. Um, it's not true data because we get that from who signs up with credit cards um, to pay. And, you know, we're social sex. So couples mm-hmm. watch our videos together. You know, the man may yeah. have signed up, okay, but, but they were watching it with his partner, whether that's male, female, whatever. Um, so, 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 no, we are we are completely gender equal. That's so refreshing because the, it's it's a myth. I guess that no one really, people just assume and it's like a never ending cycle if you think men actually like all that stuff then it keeps delivering the wrong thing. I regularly say I wish society understood the opposite of what it thinks is true. Women enjoy sex just as much as men and men are just as romantic as women. Mm. And you know the, the depressing thing is that uh, and this is true of um, of every single industry so oh, yeah i'm thinking advertising the, um, the, for sure the, um, the day we have a porn industry that is 50 50 equally informed influenced designed managed led and driven by women just as much as men that therefore targets 50 percent of its output its product equally at women just as much as at men as opposed to currently mistakenly thinking men are the only audience and that therefore very importantly makes 50 percent of its money out of women just as much as out of men, is the day we have a porn industry that looks completely different and porn that looks completely different. More innovative, more creative, more disruptive, far more lucrative, a better, healthier industry overall, mm. and the same is true of every other industry. Hollywood, mm. television, publishing, advertising, every industry you can name. So men have not even begun to see how hot, arousing, innovative, and creative they would find porn through the female lens. Yes. I know, I can't wait. I, I always say I can't wait for the day where you're just sort of emailing a friend like a porn playlist like you would with like a Spotify playlist. <laughs> you're like, here it is. You might like you might like this. Well, to, uh, well, that's absolutely what we intend with social sex. So um, depressingly, Make Love Not Porn is only 30% built at the moment. We have a whole bunch of social sharing features we've not been able to build. But, you know, our... We, we are the only venture that is creating a real-world sex counterpoint to porn. And our competition isn't porn. It's Facebook and YouTube, or it would be if Facebook and YouTube allowed sexual self-expression and self-identification, which they don't. So real-world sex videos that make love and porn are not about performing for the camera. They're not porn. They're not amateur. They're simply about doing what you do on every other social platform, which is capturing what goes on in the real world yeah. as it happens in all its funny, messy, glorious, beautiful, silly, ridiculous, wonderful humanness. And so the, the way to think about us is think about all those celebrations of relationships that crop up in your Facebook timeline every day from your friends. Engagement announcements, wedding photos, lovey-dovey company things. All we're doing is we're providing a platform to celebrate that last era of human relationships nobody else will let you. But the motivations and the social dynamics are exactly the same. Mm. So on Facebook, what you might see from your friends, for example, is we're madly in love. And so here we are on Romantic Weekend in Paris. Here we are kissing in front of the Eiffel Tower, walking hand in hand by the Seine, eating in a bistro. And on Make Love Not Porn, it's we're madly in love. And here's the great sex we had in our hotel room in Paris on that same weekend. Oh my exactly God. the same deal. It's like a yeah, social network for real people doing real things, which part of that is sex, massive part of everyone's life. And when we and when we when I can raise the funding so that make love not porn.tv can operate at scale, um And actually, what I say is, I can't wait for us to scale because then I can stop talking because I won't have to explain what we're all about because it's Mm self-evident. But um, social sex 
is about doing so many things that are enormously beneficial to the world as a whole. So our, our Make Love Not Porn videos are enormously reassuring because we celebrate real world everything, real world bodies, real world hair, real world penis size, real world breast size. We celebrate real world emotions, real world love, intimacy, feelings. Our members write to us and our Make Love Not Porn stars and they say things like, the sex in that video was incidental. I want what you guys have. I saw the way you looked, Charlotte. I saw the way your eyes met. I hope one day I can meet someone that I can have that with. Mm. You know, the, the, the ability, it's interesting. The, um, the explosive growth in amateur um, as, as the fastest growing sector of porn has nothing to do with porn. It has everything to do with the fact that everybody wants to know what everybody else is really doing in bed mm. and nobody does. Yeah. And now for the first time at Make Love Not Porn, we're showing them. Yeah, that's so amazing. And, and for everything, like you were saying, from like body confidence to, well, just self-acceptance and, and you know, Absolutely. being like, well, I, I look different and normal and, you know, everyone is. We would have many, many more interesting options and many, many more women watching porn if the, um, the porn industry were gender equal. And the fact that it isn't... Um, has a very fundamental impact on society when, as I, as I regularly have to emphasize, the issue isn't porn, the issue is that we don't talk about sex. Yeah. So, so here, here's one, one social agenda that we're addressing at Make Love Not Porn that I don't see anybody else doing anything about. So um, our entire mission at Make Love Not Porn is one thing and one thing only, which is to help make it easier to talk about sex. Talk about sex openly and honestly in the public domain, and by that I mean parents to kids, teachers to classrooms, everybody to everybody. Mm -hmm. And equally importantly, talk about sex openly and honestly privately in your intimate relationships. The reason that's so important is because, you know, because we don't talk about sex, it's an area of rampant insecurity for all of us. Mm -hmm. We all get very vulnerable when we get naked. Sexual ego is very fragile. People therefore find it bizarrely difficult to talk about sex with the people they're actually having it with while they're actually having it. Mm. Because you are terrified in that situation that if you say anything at all about what is going on, if you comment on the action anyway at all, you will potentially hurt the other person's feelings, you'll put them off you, you'll derail the encounter, you'll potentially derail the entire relationship, but at the same time you want to please your partner partner you want to make them happy everybody wants to be good in bed nobody knows exactly what that means you will seize your cues on how to do that from any way you can and if the only cues you've ever seen are in porn because you know your parents didn't talk about sex your school didn't teach your friends aren't honest those are the cues you'll take to not very good effect mm. along with the fact that we don't talk about sex therefore goes that because we don't we have no socially acceptable vocabulary with which to do so oh, the yeah. language of porn has rushed in to fill that gap and that is not good for a number of reasons, not least of which is that, as you would expect in a male-dominated industry, the language of porn is predominantly male-generated. So the person who coined the term finger-blasting didn't have a vagina. Because if you have a vagina, you hear the term finger-blasting, you want to cross your legs. <laughs> All terms created by people who do not possess the soft internal tissue to which those things are being done. So mm. at Make Love Not Porn, we are building a new language for real-world sex. We tag our videos completely differently. We tag our videos with terms like juicy, succulent. And we do that because we want you to take this language and use it beyond our platform in the real world. Because this is language you can use to talk about sex in public without feeling embarrassed about what's coming out of your mouth, mm. without having to worry about being overheard in the bar or the coffee shop. And it's language you can use to talk about what you want to do in bed in a celebratory, positive and gender equal way. Mm. Language matters. Yeah, for sure. Oh, it's just brilliant. I have 
all the words for it. I think um, it's just really needed, especially because people apparently are having less sex because they're on their phones. Well, well, I would also push back on that, um, Emma, because for all the reasons that I and my team battle on a daily basis, this is the most research, data-free, statistics-free area going. Because nobody will fund the comm score of sex and porn. Nobody will fund um, research studies, academic studies. And so the few research studies that are out there are often subject to mm. you know, confirmation bias. Yeah. Um, you know, to, um, I, um, I really question whether we have a very full picture of what really goes yeah. on. And, and by the yeah. way, this is why at scale... Make Love Not Porn has the um, potential to be the Kinsey of today. Mm. Real world, real time, real life human sexual behavior capture and aggregate in a way that nobody else is doing. I want to basically replicate the homepage of any um, mass market um, tube porn site where, you know, you go to the homepage, you see all those video stills, the various videos. I want to reproduce that homepage with each of those video stills with the gender flipped. And by the way, I already talk about this because I um, I follow a whole bunch of um, you know t- um, tube sites on um, Twitter, and so um, I will do things like I will take Brazzers tweets and I will flip the gender to, to show how ridiculous it is. Oh so, 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 um, so I said um, actually I, I do some of the frankest stuff from the at Make Love Not Porn handle versus the at Cindy Gallup handle because it can get <laughs> yeah. a shot for my my, my my business followers go oh. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> But so, but, but so, for example, you know, I tweeted the other day from at Make Love Not Porn. You know, where are the photographs in my Twitter feed from porn sites of, you know, the the, the opposite gender case? For example, um, a man pictured beaming happily while all around him from the waist down are naked women standing around in dominant position. Okay? Yeah. Um, just think about, you know, every one of the stills on any one of those two porn site homepages with the genders flipped. That oh, just shows God. you how ludicrous... Yeah. It immediately it highlights... Centric rid- lenses yeah, porn. how ridiculous it is. Oh, it's amazing to talk to you. It's, it's so, there's so many layers to what um, Make Love Not Porn's doing, and it's, it really is so fascinating and exciting. If any, anyone listening wants to get involved in any way how how i mean obviously following everything online and all the rest of it but um yeah what how can people get behind this right well um, the single thing we need um most of all to be perfectly frank is cold hard cash Mm -hmm. i need investors and so if anybody knows anybody who would like to fund make love not porn or a brand who'd like to pay to partner with us um email cindy at makelovenotporn.com because i will be only too happy to hear from you thank you so much If you liked this episode, please remember to leave a review or a rating on iTunes. It would mean so much to me. Also, um, tweet me. So thanks so much again for listening and make sure you tune in next week. Bye.